Welcome back to another episode of Vicarious Resilience, where you can learn specific skills to help you face difficult struggles or just daily life. I'm your host, Danette Honish, and I'm a registered clinical counselor. Vicarious Resilience is about learning the skills that have worked for others and trying to use them for ourselves. It's also about sharing what works for us so we can help others. Each individual doesn't need to figure these skills out for themselves. Let's add to each other's toolbox. Welcome to another episode of Vicarious Resilience. With me today is Dr. Jen Hammersmark. She's a registered clinical counselor in White Rock and uh, has been operating in White Rock for about 25 years. She's fondly known as Dr. Jen, and it's an honor to have her with us today. Dr. Jen, would you like to just introduce yourself, tell you, tell us a little bit about um, your practice down in White Rock? Thank you so much, Danette. I really appreciate you having me on today as well. Yeah, I, um, I have a practice in White Rock, and I've been doing that for 25 plus years, which is kind of funny because I never thought I'd do anything for over 25 years. Um, obviously, I love it, and that's definitely helpful. I um, started just with a little private practice with me and another gal, um, like I said, about 25 years ago. But it became really obvious to me in a short amount of time that being in private practice um, can be very lonely, working behind closed doors all the time. So then that's what birthed the counseling group, which is the company that I own now that I'm proud to say houses, give or take approximately 60, six zero therapists who call uh, the counseling group their home and practice anywhere from, from, you know, a couple of hours here and there to their full-time practices for their life. Of which I am a member. <laughs> <laughs> which is the great reason that we got to meet. It is, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So uh, why don't you tell us the story about how you became Dr. Jen? Oh, I'd love to. That's actually a, a fond one for <laughs> me. As I was practicing back in the early days, actually, um, I had a, a family and I was working with multi-generations within the family. And one of the, uh, one of the older members of the family system started fondly calling me Dr. Phil. I think it was his way of of being okay with being in the counseling realm, actually, which was fine. I didn't have any problem with that. He'd show up with his wife, the grandma. And anyways, um, Dr. Phil, it stuck for a while with the family, but then of course, yeah, they had a little bit of difficulty when they saw me thinking about me as Phil, maybe partially (laughs) because I'm a woman. Um, So then it shifted, they shifted to calling me Dr. Jen instead of Dr. Phil. And then Dr. Jen just stuck. And I really liked, uh, liked and like that moniker. I think um, I've never been a person really that needed to be called Dr. Period. Um, But there was such a fondness to Dr. Jen that it did both. It sort of encompassed my, my education, as well as the, the casualness that I actually prefer in my life with both my friends and with my clients. Right. And it's, it's taken off in the community because everyone in the community knows you as <laughs> Dr. Jen. So <laughs> when I tell people like, oh yeah, I, 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 uh, I'm with the counseling group and they go, oh, with Dr. Jen. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it really has stuck over the years. Yeah. yeah that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, and I mean, we have the, the great opportunity to run into each other at least once a week at the office. And, uh, and in passing, we often talk about things that we're doing outside of our practice and uh, so that's what I thought we'd talk about today is that 
work-life balance and making sure that, um, that, that we maintain it. So mm-hmm. in light of that, why do you see work-life balance as an important thing? I love this topic, Danette. It's, an, it's one that's actually near and dear to my heart. Partially, I think it was because of the type of training that I had. Um, I, was, I was taught that every, every therapist should have a good therapist or they have no business being a therapist and that every therapist um, should have um, a good supervisor as well that they pay to oversee their work. Now, that can be done in many forms. It can also be peer supervision groups that are unpaid, but still you need people um, holding you and looking at your life. And, and, I, and you extend that then to the work-life balance is you need to be held in many areas in your life. Now I'm talking through the lens of being a therapist, but I think this is definitely true for, for everybody who, who works. Um, and when you think about how much time we spend in our careers and our jobs and our works, Uh, whether we work in the home or out of the home, it doesn't really matter. We spend a lot of energy and time doing that work, whatever it is. And so work-life balance to me means, you know, all work and no play makes us boring and also makes us sick. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, yeah, in terms of uh, work-life balance, um, I was taught in that same program that kind of drove home those messages that you also needed to take care of yourself on a regular basis. Um, Otherwise you would burn out very quickly in this work. And so work-life balance means how do you turn off? Um, How do you, how do you play? How do you social, what's your social life look like? What's your outside time look like? What does your exercise look like? And so I'm constantly teaching my clients um, as well as practicing it myself. Well, good for you. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, Work-life balance is something that I often struggle with. And if I'm not on top of it, it will get away on me and it will be, and, and it is getting away on me. So it's something that I need to revisit in my own life. Mm. Um, yeah. From uh, going to uh, working full time. And then when I first moved out to the coast, um, I was taking university courses at night. And so I was working full-time during the day and then doing university courses at night. And then eventually went into my master's that I did while I was working full-time. And, uh, and so it continued and, and it still continues to this day, either taking courses mm-hmm. or working mm-hmm. in private practice. And, uh, and on one aspect, it's something that I love to do. I love to take courses. I love to learn and, and expand my knowledge. On the other hand, it's like enough already. Go outside for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm sure like most people, Jeanette, you would probably notice in your life, even if you aren't paying attention to it actively, you would notice it in your body um, when you aren't paying attention to that balance. For instance, the, the typical hallmarks would be people who are having trouble sleeping or start to experiencing more anxiety than usual, or maybe even, you know, some, some low lying depression. Um, And those are all signs to us that say, Hey, you know, what's the balance in your life looking like? And, you know, are you closing up your computer and putting your device away and involving yourself with other people, with other things, with other activities? Mm -hmm. Um, It can be a big trap that many of us get caught in. Partially, uh, we just, if if you're passionate about what you do and you love what you do, that can be difficult because you can spend way too much time working. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. but, but jobs these days too, I find can be 
more demanding than they used to be. Like I remember many, many years ago when I left my, my job, I locked the office door and my desktop was left behind attached to my desk on my desk um, and the phone probably still attached to the wall because I'm that old. Um, <laughs> and, but, but it didn't follow me. You know, when you walked out the door, you were off for the weekend or the night or whatever the situation was. Well, with our, with our computers, our laptops and our devices now, I think it's way too easy to stay connected to our jobs. We can easily check that email or return that call or those kinds of things. And so it's much more important for us to be um, conscious um, about turning off. Yeah, for sure. And now with uh, like with COVID, there's so much more screen time because the opportunities for getting together and socializing are so much less, or, or at least that's mm-hmm. what I'm finding in my life that I'm, I'm spending more time in front of a screen because I'm not doing the social things that I would otherwise do. Um, yeah, we are finding ourselves um, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's a whole other podcast all into itself, the effects of COVID. But, you know, since we're in it, we might as well talk about it at this moment because it is important. Um, it affects work-life balance, but it also affects the, the accompanying dynamic of connection versus isolation. Um, COVID in itself, I, I have to honestly say, for my own life and many people that I know, both professionally and personally, there's been some advantages. It's allowed us to be more connected to our families, to spend more time in our homes, to uh, maybe even some, you know, some forced uh, downtime, yeah, per se. Sure. Mm-hmm. So those things are all good. But the problem is, is the isolation piece. Um, and that's a very important part of work-life balance and a very important part of just being a human being. And even though some people need more connection than other people's for people, for instance, you know, introverts, <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard introverts go, woohoo, now the rest of the world <laughs> yeah, is forced to, to do like what us. I would prefer to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so whether you're introverted or extroverted, though, um, you cannot go without connection. It's, it's not possible. You need, you need it. We need it. We all need it. And so it, it behooves us during, during uh, COVID to push even harder to figure out, you know, what does connection look like? Yeah, for sure. And yeah. And, uh, you know, I was just musing about this this morning, actually thinking, okay, we have these legal or quasi legal uh, rules and recommendations around what we're supposed to do and not supposed to do and who we're supposed to see and not supposed to see. But what does that really mean in terms of how we can we can achieve connection? Then, for instance, my probably I, probably my top love language, according to you know Gary Chapman's five love languages, yep, is, yeah. is physical touch. Well, and and I'm a and I'm a hugger. Like I, I hug random people when I meet them. Usually, I scare the <laughs> heck out of them, but <laughs> it's just so natural for me. I love touching. I love people. I love connection in that sense. And you know, we we're we're void of that right now, or at least starved of it. I would say so. You know, anything that you can do in your life um, to get connection, whether it's a telephone call, you know, with somebody that you care about, whether it's, you know, your pets or animals in your life or borrowing a pet if you need to, um, even services. Uh, I find that, I mean, we're fortunate here in our area in British Columbia. I know some other areas you can't even do that, but we can, um, we can 
we can pay for treatments. Like I'm, I'm a fanatic for going for massage and to my chiropractor and for reflexology and all of those things. Somebody's touching me at least. And mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. super happy about that because yep. it, it feeds my need um, for connection. And so whatever that looks like in an individual's life, um, I would really strongly encourage people to be doing that because the, the downside of not doing it and, and being completely isolated can be really, you know, the, the, the effects of that can be very severe. You can go from mild depression or anxiety to moderate or severe depression and anxiety. Yeah. Um, you can really um, start to suffer uh, your, not only just your mental health, but I would say your physical health also takes a toll as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, uh, quite a few years ago when I was still single, um, that that is something that I would do is go for a massage because um, it was the only real way that I could have somebody touch me mm-hmm. and, and how much that is helpful for self-regulating. And through that, like through kind of understanding that, I became a real hugger as well because I hadn't been before that. And uh, so now I, I really miss that because when I hug somebody, they know it, they're enveloped and I hold them and they know they're being held. <laughs> so, so yeah. I often say, look out when the rules are all lifted and we're all vaccinated <laughs> yeah. and COVID is a thing of the past because, you know, look out, here I come. Right. I yeah. might just bowl you over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we were joking last week about uh, putting a, like bringing raincoats in for people to wear just so you could hug them. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Or spacesuits or something or other so that we can have some sort of form of connection. For sure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so in your own life, when you're uh, looking for that work-life balance and you're mm-hmm. finding that uh, joie de vivre in life, um, what, what are the things that you do? Good question. Good question. I have uh, definitely some main go-tos. Seasonally, um, in the wintertime, I am an avid skier. So getting up to the mountain, getting outside is um, first and foremost for me in in the winter months. I actually do mental health ski blogging for Cypress Mountain. I also have a pass for Whistler, so I'm very fortunate that I get to be able to access those things quite, quite readily. And for me, um, in the winter, getting up on the mountain, especially because I, I grew up in, in the prairies and in the wintertime, there's lots of big skies and sunshine. Mm-hmm. Moving to the West Coast, um, I've very much gotten used to this beautiful, mild weather. But of course, we don't see the sunshine a lot in the wintertime. That's right. There's lots yeah. of cloud cover mm-hmm, and lots of rain. And so when you, you know, oftentimes Wednesday more Wednesdays are my favorite days to head up to Cyprus, for example, I'll get in my car and it'll be like pouring rain outside and gross and dark or whatever. And by the time I get up to the mountain, the sky is blue and, you know, it's bouncing off of the snow and it's just amazing up there. And, um, and I will qualify to say I'm not an amazing skier. I'm just an avid skier. I, I, I put it as top importance. Um, you don't have to actually be in super great shape to ski, believe it or not, because, you know, the uh, chairlift takes you up and gravity takes you down. So <laughs> it's just a way for me to have a smile on my face and get a bit right. of exercise and fresh air and just, you know, fill my soul and my spirit a little bit that way. And then in the months where I'm not skiing, my go-tos are um, definitely walking, period. I like to walk 12 months a year, and I, I highly recommend that for everybody. Um, 
I've read a, I read a really good article once that said there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad gear. So I don't tolerate it when my clients say, oh, well, when it gets nicer out, I'll go for a walk. I'm like, no, every day, 365 <laughs> days, you know, 15, right. 20 minutes outside is, is good for your mental health. So walking is on my list. Um, I love going hiking. We have lots of mountains and trails and things like that close by here in British Columbia as well. Uh, but my main um, spring, summer, fall activity countering the winter skiing is actually camping. I love camping. Okay. Um, and I think it kind of um, kind of comes around full circle to how we began the discussion, um, just talking about unplugging. And for me, often when I'm camping, there is no access to even a phone service, which is nice. But it's certainly, you know, I'm not, you know, sitting with my computer on my lap by the fire. Uh, that's not happening, right. um, <laughs> which is great. Regardless of what the commercials will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So camping, um, again, has a lot of built-in features. You're living outside. So there's, you're getting, I'm getting a lot of outside time and fresh air. Um, it's great to go for walks and be out and about, um, not usually attached to any of my devices, which is kind of a nice break as well. Um, yeah, there's just a wholesomeness. And, and oftentimes in the city, for some reason, I have, I can have terrible sleeps if I'm, you know, especially if I'm extra concerned about clients or a little overwhelmed in my own life with uh, stress and activities. When I'm camping, and I, and I do tent camp, by the way, I'm one of those people. Really comfy air mattress, though, and a really oh, comfy <laughs> sleeping bag. But I sleep like a baby when I'm camping. So all of those combined factors really are the ways in which I keep myself um, healthy with the work-life balance. Great. Yeah. And uh, so you mentioned recommending to your clients getting out, going for a walk 365. And mm -hmm. really, I discovered that when uh, I got a dog. And, you know, it's pouring yeah. rain out, but the dog still has to go for a walk. And I realized, um, like many years ago, when I got my first dog, that uh, getting out there and walking when it's pouring rain is lovely. It's uh, as long as you're dry, as long as you're warm, you're okay. And yeah, it's very yeah. interesting. You're, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a really good point. Actually, it's, it's often when we're inside looking out and it's like, oh, I don't really want to get out there. It's gross. But literally, you know, you throw a little fleece on or, you know, and then put a, a shell over top that keeps you dry or you throw your toque and mitts on or you grab an umbrella. Once you're out in it, it's actually feels amazing. It's very refreshing. Yes. And again, here on the West Coast, you know, it's not like we're getting down to minus 40 like I was used to where I grew up. And so it really isn't freezing, freezing cold. It's it's pleasant enough when you get going and it's really enjoyable. So thank you for bringing that up because I think people forget that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the And the, the um, it is a way that you can potentially go out and connect with other people and still be maintaining some of those social distancing rules. Uh, getting out mm. for a walk is, even though right now it's, it's they're, they're suggesting not to do that, but it's not going to be that way forever. As mm -hmm. things lift, um, we're going to be able to do that more. And it is a good way to just be able to connect with people. I've mm -hmm. also found that um, walking and talking go hand in hand. 
<laughs> Although don't don't touch people. You're supposed to be social distancing right now. But <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I mean, you have the added bonus of of walking with your dog. I I recently have a dog in my life. I didn't grow up with them. And it's true. I, every dog walker out there stops, has a conversation, asks you about your dog, what their name is, how old they are. So there's built-in <laughs> conversation as you're out and about, I've realized with the dog. But um, just walking outside period. Yes, there's connection with people, whether you're literally engaging in conversation with them or not, or, or just smiling as you pass by somebody, or a good morning or a good evening or whatever the, the, yeah, the welcome yep. will be. There's a lot of that that occurs, um, as well as you just noticing, you know, the squirrel that runs by or the birds that are around you, the nature you know, whether you're walking on a city street or you're walking on a trail in the forest, you still notice the nature pieces. And I think those are an important part um, as well that contribute to our positive mental health. Yeah, for sure. Around here, we have uh, owls in the evening mm-hmm. and, and in, at night that call to each other. And so when you're out for a walk, you can hear them calling to each other, which is really very cool. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to get back to uh, a little point around isolation and connection and, uh, and this really unique um, idea that, uh, that you had come up with uh, the White Rock Counseling Co-op and how mm. you're working to make sure that counselors are feeling connected to each other, that they feel like they have a support and that they're not operating in isolation. So maybe maybe just talk a little bit about that. Thanks, Jeanette. Yeah, it's, I, it's, a, it's a new venture that's near and dear to my heart. The, 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 the idea of what the White Rock Counseling Co-op is doing is not new, but the formation of a formal uh, nonprofit services co-op is new. Um, the idea always behind the counseling group was to get rid of that lonely only feeling in private practice and have coworkers, peers that you're working with, even though we're all in business for ourselves, we're all self-employed and we do do our work behind closed doors privately. If you're in a cooperative space with other therapists and you're bumping into each other in the hallway or in the lunchroom or whatever, you know, at least there's some, some collegiality that's, that's available there. But taking that a few steps further, uh, we have uh, peer supervision groups and we have trainings and we have lunch and learns and we have all kinds of different things that occur that people can join in on so that they're not feeling as isolated in their work. And so an extension of that recently, which was just launched um, pretty much one year ago today or, or this month, I mean, now last January is the White Rock Counseling Co-op. And, and the reason for that is there's all of this community stuff that was happening already and evolving out of the counseling group um, space. And so by forming a formal co-op, what it's done is it's put uh, all of those community and social services that we enjoy at the counseling group and put it in the hands of the people who, who, who benefit and work there. And so it's really cool having a co-op with a board who can talk about about, you know, what do we need? What are we missing? What do we need for ourselves as practitioners and people? What can we provide to the community, perhaps that the community itself is missing? Um, All of those are parts of the White Rock Counseling Co-op. And they have a formal board um, that meets monthly. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's going really well. It's, It's a little sad to me that it got launched in the year of COVID. 
um, because we haven't been able to do any in-person gatherings, whether it be the board meetings or just social things and whatnot. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how much the White Rock Counseling Co-op blossoms once there's in-person contact available as well. But I would say you know, kudos and hats off to one year already of uh, Zooming yeah. <laughs> um, as our main form of connection. Um, it's, it's doing really well. Yeah, I'm, very proud of, I'm very proud of it and proud of the people that are associated with the co-op. And, and I can say that uh, uh, being in private practice, feeling connected to other people who are also in private practice really gives us, it, it is giving, because I am a member of the White Rock Counseling Co-op, um, it gives a sense of security that um, if you have a question, if you're uh, just wanting to, you know, check in with someone else, that that is there. You're not out there mm -hmm. on your own, and you feel like there is there is a support network should you need it, and mm -hmm. uh, and that's great. I'm I've really enjoyed it, and and I'm curious and uh, excited to see where it's going to go from here. Mm -hmm. Me as well, Danette. Me as well. Like I said, I'm already happy with what's been happening in its first year. And I just have great high hopes um, for what the, what the future years will bring, not only when, when COVID is lifted and, and we can have more in-person contact, but just as it grows in maturity um, as a group, I think is going to be interesting to watch. Because not only are there the personal benefits of connection with one another, um, but you know all the benefits that are provided with co-ops, like group buying power and things like that, will exist as, as the co-op grows. So it's very exciting. Right, yeah. So um, just in sort of wrapping up, uh, maybe a few tips for people's, uh, for our listeners work balance life that you'd like to put mm. out there or highlight and uh, make sure that uh, people have some ideas under their belt. That's a great way to wrap up today. So a couple of the, I'll reiterate that I had said earlier, I mean, you and I are lucky we have pets, um, hugging your pets, snuggling with them. That's it doesn't replace human contact, but it's the next best thing. Um, getting outside, walking, you know, feeling like you're amongst other people, even though there's, there's physical distancing in place. I still believe that's important as well. Uh, another uh, part that we're fortunate because we still do have actually restaurants open and things like that is you still can, you know, meet somebody close in your life out um, and have, you know, share some conversation and share a meal or a coffee or something together. So I would suggest that people are taking advantage of that since again, in our province, that still is available to us, unlike some other places. Um, I would also say that there are, there are different outlets for when we literally can't connect with people. And those outlets include, um, one of my favorites is journaling. It's a way to get the inside out and get your feelings down on paper and get your experience on paper. And I do say paper, not, not the type on the keyboard. For some reason, um, research hasn't really supported that the keyboard um, venting or expression is quite the same therapeutically. I'm sure it's a close second, but if you can, you know, grab a journal or a pen and paper and you know, just start writing away and get some things out. That's a way to help keep yourself healthy. Actually, one of my coworkers uh, 
one of my colleagues called journaling, like having a therapist in your pocket. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that expression. Other ways in which you can get the inside out um, when you are feeling isolated and, and maybe not well is actually just um, the walking like we talked about or some form of exercise. There's lots and lots of online um, ways to exercise these days. Excuse me. And so exercise can be a fantastic way as well to get some movement going. It can be light movement. It doesn't have to be a crazy workout, but that's also a way to stay a little bit healthier and help keep our mental health in check as well. Great. Yeah. Those are all fantastic ideas. I always talk to my clients and, and am aware of it myself, getting light in your eyes getting natural light in your eyes. So try and absorb some vitamin D. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Us and vitamin D are friends. That's for sure. Yeah. And on that note, in the lower mainland with the cloudy weather, if you're not getting enough naturally, you can take some vitamin D, which I do as well. A little bit of sunshine in a pill. <laughs> oh, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, and I would add one thing to going for a walk. Uh, if you are walking mm. by yourself, or even if you're walking with other people, as you pass people by, there's there's a song by uh, John Prine. It's called Hello in There. I don't know if anybody's a John Prine fan, but I'm a very big John <laughs> Prine fan. And and uh, may you rest in peace. Um, anyways, this song is called Hello in There. And it's about walking by people and not forgetting just to simply say hello to them because they may be very lonely. So you might be the only person who says hello to that person that day and you give them a smile and you say hello and you continue on your walk. You don't have to stop and have a big conversation, but it is nice for someone just to acknowledge you. Oh, I would absolutely agree with that, Danette. That's an excellent point. You never know how a smile and a hello or a nod is going to affect somebody's day. Yeah, for sure. So on that, I think we will wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much for being my guest here today on Vicarious Resilience. And uh, if you're interested in getting in touch with Dr. Jen, you can look up the counseling group, which is in White Rock, British Columbia, Canada, and you can get in contact with her there. Um, I can put the contact information as well down in the liner notes. Thanks a lot, Dr. Jen. Thank you, Danette, for having me today. I really appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This brings us to the end of another episode of Vicarious Resilience. If you're enjoying the podcast, go ahead and click subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to contact me about the podcast, or if you live in the White Rock, BC area and would like to book a counseling session, feel free to email me at danetrcc at gmail.com. Danette is D-A-N-N-E-T-T-E-R-C-C at gmail.com. You can also find me on the Psychology Today website under Find a Therapist or my website, danette.ca. All these links are found in the liner notes. I'm your host, Danette Honish. Thanks for listening. <laughs>